Welcome to another edition of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon. Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler back in action. Dane, it's pro day season. Cam Newton's throwing at Auburn's pro day. I thought that was very newsworthy. I saw a tweet about DJ Fluker, the former offensive tackle in the NFL or the offensive tackle in the NFL and his body transformation. But this is really a time to talk about the current draft eligible players, not necessarily the Cam Newton and DJ Flukers of the world. Before we dive into an edge focused episode, I would say, because the Jets are always looking for some pass rush juice. What is the benefit from your eyes of a pro day? And what are you looking for? You know, the combine is in the past. This is really one of the last times that scouts can evaluate somebody in person. Yeah, and you know, at the combine, it's a chance to see these guys move around, and that's essentially what's happening at the pro day, but it's a little more of a relaxed environment. You're doing it on your home turf. Uh, you probably slept in your own bed the night before. You're around your guys. So it should be a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere for these players. And then you know, it's just a chance to see them uh, go through uh, the drills that you saw at the combine, both the testing and then the positional drills uh, for quarterbacks. It's throwing the football for receivers. You know, you see how you run routes and, and catch the ball. Uh, you know, for you know, for linemen, bag drills, and uh, for corners, pedaling, all that. It, it's a really important part uh, of the process, just to get a better sense for movement skills, and uh, it, you also have a chance to to meet with players. Um, and a lot of teams will you know show up the day before take a player out for dinner the night before or stay late meet with uh, some of the coaches that type of thing so uh and it's a chance to talk with other people within the program um you know whether it's assistants uh whether that's uh you know members of the administration to find out more about a player get, to get some more information so there's a lot of benefits of a pro day and you know, I know a lot of scouts that really enjoy the pro day circuit uh, because it's a chance to get, uh, you know, they were on the road all fall and then, okay, chance to go home the or go home to home base. Now with the month of March, they're back on the road again, uh, getting a lot of work done, kind of the, the finishing touches on all these players, making sure we have testing numbers, verified measurables uh, for, for all of uh, the players. Um, and you know what? The, the biggest benefit, I think, is – for some of the lesser known players who weren't invited to the combine to get a chance. Uh, a perfect example, uh, Central Michigan had their uh, pro day last week and it was well attended by NFL teams, but there were also a few other teams or a few other players from area colleges coming to the Central Michigan pro day to work out. One of them being a little known offensive tackle from Northern Michigan named Jacob White, or uh, excuse me, Jacob Witt. He goes and has a phenomenal workout. I talked to him yesterday in the last week since the, the pro day, he has uh, talked with 25 teams. That's how good this uh, pro day workout was. Uh, and without this pro day workout, you know, nobody really has a good feel for uh, Jake Witt. He was a high school basketball player, uh, played basketball in college, uh, decided to give football another shot. He played uh, football as a junior in high school, uh, tries to give football another shot at Northern Michigan. And he was a tight end as a junior. Halftime at a game late last year, they are ravaged with injuries on the offensive line. Midway through the game, they put him in a tackle. And uh, so he's very, very young at tackle. Uh, but you know what? He's up to 302 pounds, and his workout was phenomenal at, at the Central Michigan Pro Day. So all of a sudden, Jake Witt uh, from Northern Michigan, remember that name, he has a shot to be drafted in the later rounds because of the Pro Day uh, and being able to go to – uh, a, a Central Michigan Pro Day that was a little more well-attended than uh, some other Pro Days. Shout out to Jake Witt. Is that his last? Witt? How do you spell yep. Witt? Uh, W-I-T-T. 
Yep. W-I-T-T. Shout out to Jake Witt. Crushing it at the Central Michigan Pro Day, although he's a Northern Michigan guy. And as uh, as I looked up, as you were saying that, Wildcat Willie, the mascot yeah. in Northern Michigan. <laughs> that's got to be a, a one of – it's got to be a top three mascot name itself, I think. But I mean, you got to be well-versed yeah. in your mascots, right, Dane, considering you watch tape from like D1 to D7? Yeah, uh, there, there are definitely some fun ones once you get to Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, it, it's funny how many logos look like uh, very similar to NFL or like you know, uh, Power <laughs> Five logos. The, just the shading of the colors are a little different. Uh, the mascot's a little different. Um, you know, my favorite is when you're watching tape and there's a bounce house uh, just on the other side of the end zone or – you know, you, you uh, on the other side of, uh, you know, the goalposts, it's just, uh, you know, houses, you know, it looks like a, a high school field. But you know what? That's uh, that that's one of my favorite parts of the process is I get tips from, you know, scouts. But, hey, this D2 player, uh, he's got a shot. He's a pretty good player. And so, OK, let's fire up the tape, see what we got here. And uh, it can be difficult at times going up against that competition. Um, and, and in a case like Jake Witt. He is brand new to the offensive tackle position, and when I talked to him, he he told me, "Look, the some of the tape is silly." So I mean, he knows. I mean, he's <laughs> he's realistic about it. Uh, but you know what? You want to see progress. You want to see him get better, and he certainly did that. And uh, with that type of pro day, with the type of numbers, he had a thirty-seven inch vert, ten-three broad, uh, the big time numbers for a three hundred pounder. So uh, all of a sudden, he's on the the potential draftable radar now. Okay, so before we move on to discuss this edge class throughout all your years of studying tape. That includes, if I recall, high school soccer tape. I think it was Jacob <laughs> Harris. Is that right? Yeah, Is that yeah, his name? Central Michigan. Good memory. Yeah. Okay. Or central uh, uh, Florida, central Florida, central yeah. Florida. Okay. So is Jacob Harris's high school soccer tape, like the strangest or most unique tape that you've watched throughout your time doing this? Yeah, that that that's guy. What a what a pool by you. Um, yeah, that that's uh, it's got to be. Yeah, because that uh, that's that's something that happens very often. Obviously, is uh, yeah. having to look at high school tape to get or uh, soccer tape to get a better idea of how a player can move and uh, the type of speed and coordination that he has. Um, but you know what? That that's you know we just saw uh, you know a, a Super Bowl with a left tackle who had not played any football before he was drafted by the Eagles and Jordan Mailata. Uh, but he had some pretty impressive rugby tape. And his workouts before the draft were just good enough that the Eagles said, hey, let's throw a dart. Let's see what we got here. And a couple years later, looking like a pretty smart pick. I'm getting Ted Lasso vibes. I've just started Ted Lasso, so I'm getting like Lasso vibes between a football guy watching soccer tape just like Ted, <laughs> a football guy coaching soccer or football in London. Yeah. So, are, are you a Ted Lasso guy? Have you watched it at all? Not yet. Maybe maybe this summer is when I'll finally get to okay. it. But yeah. All right, I highly suggest it. Okay. So, do you? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I've it's only hilarious. heard good things. It's a breeze. Yeah. It's a breeze to get through. It's easy to watch with thirty minute episodes, and it's just like it's heartwarming. It pulls at the heartstrings. It makes you laugh. Like I don't laugh out loud at a lot of TV shows. I'm like audibly laughing watching <laughs> this show. And Matt Sikoff, our technical producer, says highly recommended, all capitals, okay. like a thousand exclamation points. So 
bring that let's bring that same energy to talk about this edge group and mm -hmm. headlined i would say by will anderson probably not an option for the jets at 13 as the jets right now own the 13th overall pick and i want to use a mock draft of daniel jeremiah's as a launching pad to discuss this edge group he has the jets not taking an offensive lineman in his latest mock draft he has them mm -hmm. taking nolan smith the georgia edge rusher who I believe it was DJ said has like a similar body type to Hassan Reddick when he came out of college. Mm -hmm. So what is your, like, uh, what's your analysis, I guess, on Nolan Smith and how do you think he would fit the Jets at 13? Uh, big fan. Um, before the combine, he was my number 19 overall player. Um, so I, 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 mean, I thought he was a top 20 guy going into the combine. Um, and that was him coming off uh, an injury. He had only played eight games as a senior and then he had pectoral surgery weren't sure what he was going to do at the combine. And then he goes out there and uh, clocks a four, three, nine in the 40 at uh, 238 pounds. So, you know, the testing looks great. The pro day, uh, he did positional drills, didn't do anything else, just stood on his combine numbers, but this is a dynamic athlete. Uh, he's loose. He's flexible. Um, really twitchy with his redirect. Uh, they didn't ask him. I, a lot of people will point to the production or lack thereof as you know, maybe a reason not to draft this player, but you have to understand how he was used that Jordan scheme. Uh, he was a three, four linebacker and asked to do a lot of reading, dropping, uh, reacting to what the quarterback is doing. So he wasn't a guy that just pinned his ears back and got after the quarterback. So they, he didn't, it wasn't allowed to do that. That's not what he was asked in that scheme. So uh, I think that even though, yes, he had, I think only 11 and a half career sacks, in four seasons, uh, there's a lot more meat on the bone. Uh, if, if you give him more pass rushing responsibility, he has the athletic ability, obviously, with those numbers. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, coming up with a, a more efficient rush plan. Um, you know, he tends to – he's a very physical player, so he's very good against the run. But he tends to rush guys down the middle instead of setting them up. And, you know, talking to – uh, David Pollock, you know, former Georgia great, former NFL player, now on uh, ESPN College Game Day, he uh, has been a, a close mentor uh, for uh, Nolan Smith and has talked about how, you know, it, he, he all the things that he does great, you know, he's an engaging human, he's all these things are awesome. It's just he needs to be a little bit better with uh, the pass rush sequencing and coming up with that better plan to just be more efficient. So as long as he can do that and develop in that area – he's got everything else you want. He's maybe not the uh, ideal size at six, two and a quarter, 200 and right around 240 pounds, uh, just under 33 inch arms. So maybe you wish he was a little bit bigger, but with that type of juice off the edge, uh, I'll, I'll take my chances uh, with a guy like that. Who's that explosive uh, has power in his hands. Uh, all, all the diverse tools that he has to offer. Yeah. I, I'd feel very comfortable drafting Nolan Smith anywhere in the top 20 picks. Okay, so that uh, you kind of led me to my, to my next question. The size, like how much of a concern is that for you, for scouts that you've talked to, knowing that he's an undersized rusher, but then also knowing that he played in the SEC against theoretically the closest thing to the NFL in college and was successful there, although didn't put up quite the numbers that some other guys did. Yeah, and I, I think that when you uh, 
project a player like this, okay, can he play with his hand on the ground in a, in a more traditional four-man front? Or does he have to be off the ball as a 3-4 backer or a stand-up edge rusher? Um, I don't think he does, but I think he's probably ideally suited for a 3-4 where it's not as easy to be reached. He can operate in space a little bit better. But I think he can play with his hand on the ground and be close to the line of scrimmage because of the power that he has in his hands. Uh, no, not he's, he's not super long, and, and again, that's a worry, a concern of of his game. But he does play very strong for a guy with that size profile and with that athleticism, uh, with the way that uh, you know he, the agility. So he has the footwork; he can cross the face of blockers. Uh, you know, he can. Uh, you know, ha- he has the power in his upper half, so he can hammer the run game, play through contact. Uh, the energy is no questions there. Uh, and he also, you know, he's got a special teams background as well. So I just think there's too many things with Nolan Smith that w- would stop me from uh, picking a player like this early. Look, I'm not saying the Jets are in the edge market at 13, but the Jets always like to add juice. You look at the oh, yeah. way their roster is constructed right now. First of all, they want guys to pin their ears back. They run two full rotations. So they basically have eight starting defensive linemen when you look at it. Potentially even more than that. And right now the Jets have in a sub-package, you have Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams, right now probably Solomon Thomas, who just re-signed, and John Franklin. Actually, no, it would be John Franklin Myers in the middle and Jermaine Johnson rushing. Then your other rushers would be Bryce Huff and then whoever else you have on the roster. And if there were ever somebody for Nolan Smith to learn from in terms of being an undersized Mm -hmm. pass rusher in the NFL – Carl Lawson's a pretty dang good one. He's under contract right now. This is the last year of his deal with the Jets. And just for like a, a height-weight comparison, if you're listening to this, Nolan Smith, Dane, you said 6'2 and a quarter or just under 6'3, about 240. Is that right? He was 6022, 238. So 6'2 and a quarter, uh, 230, 238, yeah. Okay. Carl Lawson is 6'2 but he's also built like a rock of a human, and he's 265 pounds. So that, that's a big discrepancy there. But the the thought process is still there that both undersized edge rushers, Carl Lawson obviously uh, a very successful pass rusher in the NFL, gets after the quarterbacks a decent amount. So with that being said, Nolan Smith, option for the Jets at 13, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Now let's move up a little well, bit. Like, real quick, real quick. The other thing with Lawson, yeah. too, is he's a short-arm guy. He is not okay. a – I mean, he is power-packed. I mean, he was lifting weights at two years old. Like, that, that you know, he's he's that type of guy. <laughs> but he's also a short-arm guy. He, I think, 31-and-a-half-inch arms. So, you know, I mean, Nolan Smith has a full inch on Carl Lawson when it comes to – uh, the arm length and that that matters uh, for pass rushers. So, and I, you know, to your point about maybe you know edge isn't a glaring need at thirteen. I think fans need to remember the first round is not where okay, what's our top need? Okay, that's our first round pick. That's not how it works. That's not how teams operate. Uh, first round picks are for the next five years, and especially when you're talking about premium positions, whether that's corner, edge rusher, tackle. Uh, a playmaking wide receiver, you're looking for, yes, you want them to contribute right away, but you're looking at, okay, what's our five-year plan? What's our 2024 roster going to look like? You you are making picks for the now, but also more importantly, the future. And so I I absolutely, I, I would consider Edge a strong possibility there at 13 if the right guy is there. And is Nolan Smith, from everything that I've read, he seems like an impeccable human, right? Like he would yeah. be a great locker room ad. 
The character's great. Yeah, he's uh, I can't remember how the scout he called him a joyful ex uh, extrovert. Yeah, um, just a, a ton of energy. Um, maybe too much at times, but uh, a, a type of guy that is is not going to bring your locker room down. That's for sure. Okay, so that is the the book on Nolan Smith and thirteen. Would you say is about the ceiling of where you would consider Nolan Smith? Like no, I mean. If, uh, I mean, look at the Eagles at 10. You know, the Eagles, okay. they love pass rushers. Um, you think Hassan about like a, similar body type, right? Brandon Graham, you know, like uh, Brandon Graham's not a big edge rusher. So I, I don't think that they'd be scared off by uh, Nolan Smith's lack of uh, elite size. I, I think that any, somewhere in the top 10, Nolan Smith's definitely a possibility. I think in my last mock draft, I had Nolan Smith going 12 to the Texans. So I think, you know, once once you get past the first seven or eight picks, that's where I think it becomes realistic that Nolan Smith could come off the board somewhere, uh, you know, between pick nine and then pick, you know, 18 or so. Okay, awesome. There you have it. Nolan Smith in the books. Now let's move up, like, closer to the top of the draft. You're talking about Will Anderson, mm. Tyree Wilson. I mean, Lucas Van Ness, I guess, would be in that mm-hmm. upper echelon as well. Can you, in your own words, just take us through those three guys, how you rank them, and what their strengths are potentially in the NFL? Uh, with Will Anderson, uh, he's just a outstanding player uh, all around. Um, he, he's the first true freshman linebacker to ever start under Nick Saban. Um, you, think about it this way, okay. Uh, in the history of college football, it's a, it's a lot, lot of players, right? There have <laughs> been only 41 uh, players out of the entire history of college football who have twice earned unanimous All-American honors, Will Anderson, one of those guys, uh, second in Alabama history in almost every category, rushing the quarterback behind only Derek Thomas, uh, the, the you know legendary player. Uh, he's got the get-off that you want. Um, he's got bend. He's got dip. He's a flexible player. Uh, his arsenal of rush moves is instinctive. He has a good feel for when to use what move. And then as good as he is as a pass rusher, he might actually be a better run defender. He's very quick to diagnose. Uh, His handwork is advanced. Uh, He's got lateral agility. So my one area of – my main area of concern with him is he needs to be a better finisher. Uh, He left way too much production on the field, especially in the backfield, where he'll get there, he'll be disruptive, but then he just slipped off the ball carrier or just missed the quarterback. Um, Needs to get better as a finisher – but still, I'll, I'll take my chances with the guy that knows how to get there and blow things up um, get, because of those twitchy movements, the skilled hands, overall play speed. He has all pro potential in the NFL. So uh, Will Anderson, I think, is the real deal as a, as a top five pick. And in your answer there, you said he's the second player with unanimous All-Americans twice. Is that, is that what you said? The, the 41st player in college football history. 41st in college yeah, football and, and, history. Any team, any player, any level um, to ever do it. So it's it's a rare, rare thing. Okay. So he's incredible. Is he on the level of the Bosa's coming out of college? I think they're a little bit different. I, but I, if you're just going to lump all these pass rushers together, I think he's below them. Um, not quite on the Bosa's level. Not quite on Chase Young's level when he was coming out of Ohio State. Um but just behind, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like there's a huge gap. Um, but I, I would say he's just behind those two. Uh, clearly it's they're they're not, 
Even, he's right behind. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when the Bosa's were coming out of college, Chase Young, everyone was talking about how advanced their yeah. hand movements were, and mm -hmm. that, I think, has something to do with the program, not necessarily the player. So, And also, Bosa comes from a line of football, so there you have it. Anyway, mm -hmm. so that's, that's Will Anderson. Tyree Wilson, I think, is interesting because Texas Tech is like a – I don't feel like – Maybe I'm wrong here outside of maybe, you know, one guy in the NFL hasn't really had like a, a first, like a top five pick in a long time, right? Like wh who well, was the last Texas Tech player to be drafted potentially top five? Crabtree, uh, yeah. Mahomes. Yep. Uh, so, but uh, to your point, though, uh, Texas Tech has never had a defensive player drafted top 20. So to your point, I mean, you're, you're spot on. You think of Texas Tech, you think offense. Um, they have never had a defensive player drafted at top 20 picks. So Tyree Wilson, uh, about to change that here in a couple of weeks. And what do you think, first of all, Texas Tech love the uniforms. They're just kind of like slick. They're, they're mm -hmm. just kind of like, they're just, uh, they're B-A-D-A-S-S. -S, so, you know, hopefully that doesn't have to get bleeped out. But anyway, Tyree Wilson what do you like about him, and why is he considered a top 10 pick in your eyes? I mean, he's the first one off the bus, right? The way he looks. I mean, 6'5", mm -hmm. five, five quarter, or 5 eighths, 5 quarters, 5 eighths, uh, 271 pounds, 35, uh, almost 36-inch arms. Uh, the way I described him in, in the draft guide, it looks like a yoked-up Captain America. Uh, with that, it's just, he's so broad, so long, so muscular, uh, and then he moves pretty well too. Um, now there are times where he comes off the ball high, um, you know, that leaves him open to be washed or, uh, you know, t uh, players or blockers can get their hands on him, but he's so powerful that he's able to go right through them. He's so long. Uh, so when you talk about a guy with that type of initial speed, the, you know, two-step speed, the raw power, uh, the length. It, those are just amazing foundational traits to build off of. Uh, does he need to be a more crafty pass rusher? Sure. Yeah. That, a little more strategic with how he gets to uh, the pocket and breaks down blockers. It, there's no doubt about it, but it, he has a lot of gifts that a lot of teams uh, just don't have. So he is ripe for development. The type of player you think can become a pro bowler uh, down the line. Uh, so that's why Tyree Wilson's being talked about as a potential top 10, even a potential top five player. Okay. So if he's somehow at 13, you think the Jets are like running up that card? No questions asked? I'd be pretty shocking if he made it to 14. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. You said the first one off the bus, the way that you were describing Tyree Wilson, the Jets comparison is Michael Clemens. Because yeah, Michael Clemens right. is the first one off the bus. He, in my opinion, he is the closest thing to yoked up Captain America. And if it were Clemens and Wilson coming off the bus next together, I think they they pass the test, the eye test there. Yeah, I, I think the, the the opponents thinking about that when they uh, they strap up and get ready for the game because <laughs> talk about uh, yeah freaky dudes. They they definitely fit that uh, the category. So and yeah, he's. He's got an interesting, you know, journey to this point. He he's born in Alaska, still has family there. Uh, moved to East Texas, uh, discovered this game of football, and it, it's he started out at A and M, goes to Texas Tech, and has just blossomed from there. And so, uh, you know, he's a guy that again, he's still 
you know, he's still on his way. He's not a, a finished product by any means, but you just don't see the, the level of traits that he offers very often. So what you're telling me is that Michael Clemens and Tyree Wilson overlapped at A&M? Is that, is that right? I, yeah, I think so, because Wilson was there in 2018 and 2019. Yeah, uh, Clemens has, was in college from 17 to 21. There you go. Oh, wow. Wow, a little reuniting in, in green and white. I think Jets fans would be very excited about that. So, sure. well, another guy I want to, well, I just want to briefly talk about this guy before I ask you about, like, maybe day two, day three players, if mm-hmm. the Jets go in that direction. Lucas Van Ness. So, yeah. freaky athlete out of Iowa. I feel like when when I think of Iowa and I think of recent memories, I like I, the first guy that comes to mind for no reason is A.J. Epinesa, probably because mm-hmm. he plays for the Buffalo Bills. So, Epinesa went in the second round. Van Ness projected in DJ's mock draft, just using this as an example. He's number 10 to the Eagles right now. So what do you think about the way Lucas Van Ness plays football? And is it the standard Iowa brand or is it something a little different where he can offer a little more on the, on the next level? Uh, Well, you know, I, back in November, when I came out with my, um, top 100 uh updated top 100 board i had lucas van ness as a top 25 player and i heard from a lot of iowa fans saying what do you he's not even a starter for us what are you talking about and i just hey i'm telling you guys the traits the traits the traits van ness declares goes to the combine and for a guy that's 6'5 275 pounds runs in the four fives uh you know his uh, three cone was right around seven seconds which is remarkable for that size um, well, a one, five, seven, 10 yard split. This is a guy that has a lot of power. He's explosive. And even though he didn't start technically for Iowa, he played starter level snaps. So, you know, he was, he was on the field just as much, if not more than the guys that were out there. And that's just the way Iowa operates. You know, they seniority type of thing. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, only a, a, a redshirt sophomore, so a young player, uh, but again, the the power and explosion that he brings as both an outside player, as an edge rusher, and then also when he reduced inside as a defensive tackle, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's something that he can really create that disruption from different angles, from different gaps. Uh, he can uh, make plays versus the run, um, and he faced some pretty good uh, offensive tackles in the Big Ten. Talking about Peter Skaronski at Northwestern, talking about uh, Ohio State's tackles with Dewan Jones and, and Paris Johnson. So you know, it's a uh, this is a, a, an ascending player. I think the way I described him was if you draft Lucas Van Ness, you're getting Leo DiCaprio right after growing pains. Right? He hasn't hit Titanic yet. Okay, he's not a, a global <laughs> sensation. So he's he's on the upward trajectory, and you, you see growing pains. You're like, oh, this is, this is a pretty good actor. You know, he's he's uh, it, this is a pretty good addition to the show. And so you're you're buying low, expecting the the ceiling to be really really high. And I think that's what you get with Lucas Van Ness. So if Leo had a tough time winning an Oscar, what's the NFL equivalent for Van Ness? Uh, well, I mean, he's, I think he's just going to keep stacking good seasons. I mean, did it at Iowa. He's going to do it in the NFL and sooner or later, uh, you stack enough good seasons. That's like, you make a good, enough good movies. It's going to come for you. So, uh, just a matter of time for Lucas Van Ness. He's, he's too good. Uh, and that's why we're talking about him as a, as a top 10 pick as a guy that has zero career starts to his name. And yet, uh, you know, has a good chance to be drafted in a top 10 to 12. Okay. Maybe not 13. But maybe Maybe not. Maybe. All right. We'll see what happens before we let you go here on this episode. 
I just want you to have the floor and kind of talk about some guys that you like, whether that be trait-wise, whether that be fits for the Jets at edge, day two, day three, like anybody that you think could be a fit, anybody that catches your eye, and anybody that you think, you know what, maybe you should just keep an eye on this guy, similar to your Northern Michigan guy. Uh, well, he, he's a little more well-known than, uh, than Jake Witt, but, uh, BJ Audrey from LSU, uh, you know, his older brother is playing in New York for that other team. Uh, they bring BJ to, uh, uh, to the Jets. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, like his older brother, a little undersized, six, two and a half, 250 pounds, but really long. He's got those long arms. Um, and, and you know, talking to a scout, a Southeast scout, um, I, I asked him if Nolan Smith is probably the best character guy in his region. Uh, Cause that's fully what I expected him to say. And he said he, Nolan Smith would be number two right behind Audrey So this is another guy that checked the box uh, for the football character, the personal character. Um, you know, he's just got a really intriguing combination of get off quickness, closing burst. Uh, he can win with his hands. He'll throw out a ghost move. Um, you know, he just, he likes to get after the quarterback and maybe it's because he didn't do a full workout at the combine, but I'm a little surprised he doesn't have more buzz um, because I know teams like him and I know, uh, you know, he's a guy that even if he doesn't sneak into that late first day two, he's going to be a pretty popular guy and, uh, you know, could be a, end up being a steal kind of like his brother was as a, as a second round pick for the giants. So I, and I think that this edge class, one of the stronger groups we have this year. So we just went through a lot of guys that are going to go in the top half of round one, but in the second round, third round, there are a, a, a lot of names and teams stack these guys differently based off of what they're looking for. Um, you know, a guy like Will McDonald from Iowa State, six, three and a half, 240 pounds. So he's undersized, but a freaky, freaky athlete, um, really long 35 inch arms. Um, you know, he's uh, he's got that stretched out rangy frame, uh, but has a lot of agility, has a lot of joint flexibility. So he can win different ways, but you worry about him. Okay. As a run defender, can he hold up so we can keep him on the field? Or is he going to be a pass rush specialist for us? That's why we're talking about Will McDonald as probably more of a day two guy. Um, you know, and, and we could, you know, there's literally probably 10 pass rushers that are going to go in the top 80 picks, top 100 picks, because it's just a really, it's a premium position, first and foremost. And then this draft class has a lot to offer in terms of depth at those, uh, at those key positions, both guys that are maybe more base ends, uh, you know, whether it's a Dylan Horton from TCU or a, a, a Keon White from Georgia Tech, or if you want your undersized edge rushers like a BG Audrey or um, even like a Derek Call from Auburn. So I, I think this draft of, of pass rushers has a little bit of everything for uh, you know, each scheme and depending on what you want. That's a great way to put a bow on the edge episode here on NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon. Dane, thanks a lot as always, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Ethan.